Top Chat about Totus Tours and a thousand somethings about Mary. Okay, firstly, I want you to begin by just explaining how the Something About Mary podcast began, where was its germination, what was the idea behind it? Well, that's very simple in that it was the idea of a really lovely girl called Angelica Zeman, Zeman, who's German. I started working on some podcast ideas on a previous project, and it was coming up to the month of May, and Angelica said, oh, why don't we do something on Our Lady? And so we did something every day for the month of May. To get enough responses, that was when I had to start jumping on people at the end of weekday mass and that sort of thing. And I was hooked as soon as I started doing that. The responses people gave and the great privilege and gift of these little encounters with people. So that was how it originally began. And then shortly thereafter, the project we were working on folded. It stopped happening in this country. And I just couldn't leave the concept alone that somehow or another we had to try and get something about Mary onto iTunes because it was giving witness to something that was really at the heart of our faith and was revealing the beauty of our faith and also was such a sign of hope. Our Lady brings so much hope with her. So when Totus Tuus was launched, there was the Rosary podcast and the Stations of the Cross podcast and various others, but for me I felt that something about Mary was at the heart of Totus Tuus. And every now and again, when I thought, oh gosh, how are we going to keep this going? And I did stop doing it for a couple of weeks in the first year, but it felt very wrong. And I just thought, no, if everything else has to go on hold for a bit, this is the podcast that will enable other things to grow from it. And this is my first commitment. So you mentioned hope. You described Totus Tuus as giving voice to faith, hope, and love is it yep is that was that the original idea how did no it it, there was no clever thought process or formulation it wasn't even an impulse this project that i'd worked on it ended on august the 5th which is the feast of our lady of snows and it just wouldn't leave me alone the podcast it just was going around in my head that somehow or another there was something very important we were being given through them and that people were sharing through them Mm -hmm. And I just thought, somehow or another, these have got to get onto iTunes. So the original idea wasn't a website, but to have podcasts on iTunes, you have to have a URL. So the website was a by default. And that description you gave me was something... I don't like putting anything down in words, but when I was really pushed to having to, to give some sort of description, um, that's, that's what I came up with. So like everything, the unexpected things are really the best is where the spirit is working it was unexpected yes yes it was and certainly because being able to do it at all in the first place I don't have any IT skills nor any editing skills by background but I have a brother-in-law that had a website design company and I was going to try and do it on the hoof with a guy I met in an iTunes store but my experience from the previous project was that lots of money can get gobbled up by having to put things on a website through somebody else and that if I wanted to do things cheaply then doing it myself would be the cheapest way of doing it really. So I thought I'd ask my brother-in-law for a quote on a very basic website and instead of giving me a quote he gave me the ability to build the website myself 
and it's very easy software and so even a goof like me I never dreamed that it was something I'd be able to do myself and suddenly it was given to me that I could so there was no forward planning involved in it at all and there was no sense of where did you see it in however long or I just um I thought well I'll do this for a couple of months and then I'll have run out of money and everything else and then a couple of months went by and I was more gripped on it than than I had been before and that was it and then suddenly I thought oh I'll keep going for a little bit longer and oh I'll keep going for a year and and so that's how it's come about there's there's no clever game plan in it but there's a lot of asking our lady for her intercession with it yeah, I think that's amazing because when I first encountered the site and I started listening to it and I didn't know you or anything about how it was run, I thought there was a highly organized team of people with their own studios or something <laughs> behind this site. And you mentioned before, you know, running up to people after weekday mass and I would never have imagined that something so beautifully put together was so homemade so that's the work of Our Lady there um, could you tell me a bit more about what it's like when you're actually going out and getting people's responses to the podcast there's a couple of churches I go to very regularly so if there's someone new that's there in the congregation they're very spotable and so it's aftermath some of the churches they have the rosary every day so that's a good place to find new people if there's someone joining in with the rosary with people I haven't the foggiest why they're in the church or where they've come from or anything else it's always a complete gift if somebody says yes that is the gift and then whatever it is they say or they don't say I might have been bowled over by it but I'm very conscious that it's not just me who's going to hopefully be hearing these things and that everyone can be helped in different ways by different things so it's not how well did they speak it's the gift have they generously shared something of their own faith and very often people speak from the heart and there's not a greater gift than that for people to speak from the heart I think that's what's unique and that's what makes it so powerful that in our world we seem to talk about everything except what's really important and yet we keep our faith our relationship with God this real stuff, the struggles and the love and everything, we keep that inside and hidden. And you go up to this person and suddenly it's like a door to their heart opening. Well, yeah, I think there's lots of reasons why we shouldn't open up. That Some things that are very private and very personal, that they are meant to be a secret. And there's, if there's something that's really been revealed to us, I used to say when I started doing it, you know, don't share a real secret of your heart that's between you and God. And then I realised that almost never anyone's gone towards sharing something very, you know, something raw that shouldn't be shared. And quite often people say they're something and then when they know it's stopped recording, they've shared something more. So, for example, a couple of people have told me that they've seen Our Lady or she's spoken to them or that sort of thing, but they don't put that on the recording and I quite understand that it seems very right that that discretion there, real secrets of the heart, just allowing them to be secrets still. But I think some people don't intend to share what they do, that having been said, when they start to say that they'll say something about Our Lady. And I think it's often after they've said yes, they'll say something. If they have a great love for her, 
There was a young guy the other weekend at the Evangelion conference. He said, oh, if it would really help you, I'll, I'll say something, but it'll just be a sentence. And then the friend he was with said afterwards, wow, that was really, that really impressed me. And he said, yeah, I don't know where that came from. And I met a, a wonderful girl today. You'd have so enjoyed meeting her. Her smile beamed Our Lady, actually. And she said, oh, I'll say a sentence. And it was quite noisy in the church, and I thought, but oh, well, she can just say a sentence, so I won't say, can we go into a side chapel? And it wasn't just a sentence she gave. And then she was from Cameroon, so I said, oh, would you say something in French? And then we did move into the side chapel. And she said at the end of the French bit, she said, I've got goosebumps. And um, sometimes there's a very real sense of Our Lady being with us when someone is sharing something about her. I feel somehow, I don't know why it is, but going up to people and saying, will you say something about Jesus? I don't know, because he is God as well as man, because he's our saviour but our, our God as well, he's something so huge and that's something so deep and so great. I feel that that's intruding more somehow, but that asking people to talk about his mother very often people speak about their faith in Jesus via talking about Mary, but that somehow Mary protects that and, and keeps the heart of our faith safe and secure somehow. Um, so it's a lot more mysterious than I have even the beginnings of an inkling of, but I'm very conscious of the privilege of asking. Has it been a, a, maybe a process of conversion for you? Are you changed by what you hear back from people? I hope I am. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more conversion on an, on an everyday basis, but that's the, the gift of, of our pilgrimage, really, is that it's, we haven't got there until we're dead. And if we think we've got there before we're dead, then we've stopped short. Um, a priest that I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to is Father Mario Dominique Philippe, the founder of the community of St. John, though he didn't actually found it, but he was very much at the heart of them. And he's got wonderful insight into the Gospel of St. John. The retreats he gave on it very much focus on that it's a Gospel of encounters. It's lots of different people meeting Jesus and how he receives them where they're at. And I'm just, I'm very conscious, I, most of these people I've never met before, some of them might see again at Mass, and it's lovely just having this link with people and just a friendly face and a smile. But it's not the beginning of lots of sort of deeper meaningful friendships, which wouldn't be sort of possible with most people. Sometimes it's nothing other than the sentence and that's it. But more often than not, it's a sense of being united in our faith with others. Sometimes I used to think, wow, I don't even get my head around how many people there are in the world right now, let alone how many people there have been in the world since the beginning of time. And just quite what numbers are involved in heaven slightly blows my mind in some way. But then... It's not just everything in a huge sort of massive scale. It'll be an intimacy there in God somehow or another. It'll all seem much more... I assume, well, doing this something about Mary's, when you're with someone with whom you have a sense that you're in unity of faith, I think that's the gift of the church, that you're just able to rejoice and enjoy being in the presence of somebody else without there being chit-chat, you know, just... It, the little encounter that is, is something lovely in itself and gives you a, a sense of what is to come. And it's like you're well, talking about, it gives you an idea of what's meant by the communion of saints. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I think we have trouble imagining 
So we're all in heaven together, but what's that togetherness like? Yeah, that's it. Have a go. <laughs> um, we have some questions sent in by our listeners. Sorry, oh. sorry, no, 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 no. <laughs> we have some questions from your husband and your mother. Why do you give your life, day in and day out, to this mission? And how is Totus Tuus helping to establish the kingdom of heaven? Oh, well, I don't think I'm in a position to answer the second half of that. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't know. It's not day in, day out. Every now and again, I take a pause. I think I'd put it down to John Paul II if I had to sort of think, okay, who got me fired up? So, I hope he's in the mix in here somewhere. I think he is. I think anyone looking at the site knows he's in the mix. Yeah. I once upon a moon trained as a lawyer, and I was never heading for anywhere great. I did not give up a budding career. But when I was meant to be being training to be a barrister, I spent a lot of time wandering off and sitting in courts looking at people dealing with their life through lawyers. Then I spent a couple of years very involved in pro-life work and saw from a sort of media angle the mess of the media world and what it is they're wanting and the lack of a real search for truth. Just People just want someone to go, you're nasty, you're bad, you're horrible. That was the only response they wanted from something that was meant to be joyous and and life-giving rather than, than deadly and the sort of higgledy-piggledyness and the more of the sort of the world as it was I saw the more I thought gosh the only answer is God the only answer can be faith and so there is no way this is a big deal in the scheme of most people's lives at the moment but I am grateful that I'm doing something where I feel that if someone did want to seek and learn something more about the faith that is Catholic the Catholic Church there's somewhere where they might go and find something that will draw them in and and help them to desire to learn more because our faith is something so, so great and beautiful and Jesus beats, beats everything else and that God became man to redeem us and not just to redeem us but to be to be so intimately united with us and to be such a friend as well as a saviour and he came to redeem us not to, to condemn us And he left us his church to make this all doable and possible and gave us his mother to help us live this. And I am very conscious of how blessed I've been to have been given my faith through my family, through my mother originally, but also, I think, through the witness of my father. And then John Paul II came to England and I was taken by my mother to Coventry, which is actually the Feast of Pentecost in 1982, when I was still very little. And I was very affected by that. Um, It really stayed with me. I think that affected my own confirmation. And I was at a supposedly Catholic convent school, but it was all very nominal. But there was something within me that knew that that was where I was to find truth and beauty and that sort of thing. And then I went to Lourdes when I was 16 with a group of young people and handicapped people and that that sort of drew me more into the peace in the grotto, especially at night. 
and a very real sense of the presence of Our Lady. So it was beauty and and truth and things that are all good that drew me to want to know and and to love my faith more. And then in Medjugorje in 1987, the reality of the Eucharist and of the truth that we really do receive Jesus in the Eucharist was compelling <laughs> and very deeply converting if we allow it to be, this, this love that's there waiting for us. So I've been shown so much of the beauty of our faith and the goodness of it. And then I spent a year at a school of evangelization in France where we were given a, a great overview of the church as a whole. That was a great gift. It wasn't linked to one particular community. So I came across all sorts of very holy people during that year. For example, Cardinal Ng Vang Thuan, who was a Vietnamese priest who became Archbishop of Saigon just before the communists took over. And he spent 13 years in prison, nine of which was solitary confinement. His character hit you before he'd even walked in the room. And then when we went on pilgrimage to Rome that year, we met one of the Pope's private secretaries, who was also Vietnamese, who was much more discreet. The other cardinal, he had such a huge character, it really did hit you. Whereas this priest was incredibly quiet, and you could miss him. But the twinkle in his eye, these people that are very quiet and unassuming with their faith. I think that's something too with something about Mary. Hearing people that are very unobvious often, no one's looking at them, they are the faithful and I think that's what's really given me hope. It's the faith of the faithful that reveals something very true and beautiful and how the Holy Spirit is moving in the church. And that's what gives me great hope. You know, God is really real. The church is a living reality for you. It's not just an idea, which is hopefully how we could all experience it, but that's, I think, what's good about the site. You have real voices from real people, and there's something about it that connects you with how Christ is present and acting in that person. And the church doesn't exist unless we all acknowledge the fact that Christ is in every one of us. Yep. <laughs> you were talking about the beauty and the truth of the faith and that's another thing where I think Mary comes in at least for me as a convert sometimes I go to Totus Tours because I've been a Christian uh, well I was received into the church two years ago but I wasn't brought up as a Christian so I still need the teaching and the faith formation more on the, the truth side but beauty was what allured me into the faith. And that's where Mary really shines, is her radiance. But she's radiating the beauty of that truth. So I think maybe you could talk about... No, I like what you've just said. <laughs> well, I, I like the fact that you've diversified. You have so many different things on the site that can encapsulate those different facets of the faith because sometimes we need the warmth and we need the emotion and the beauty but we also need, I mean like the philosophy and faith, that rationalism, the use of our mind that helps us to want to learn about God, to want to connect with God in every way that he can speak to us. Yes, I think that's something we've got in a real muddle about. I so loved reading 
John Paul II's encyclical Fides et Ratio when it came out, when you're faced with a world that supposedly is saying that it's, it's using its reason, which it very often isn't, you can end up thinking, well, where do you even begin to start to enter into a dialogue with people using our intelligence? That was another reason that I love Father Mario Dominique Philippe. You know, this confidence in our intelligence. Our intelligence was given us as a great gift from God. And our intelligence isn't something to fear. If we seek humbly and with integrity, we will be led to the truth, and the truth doesn't contradict itself. And the truth will lead us to God. And that's the greatness of it. And that's what God gave us our intelligence for, to know him. People say theologians need to be on their knees. If we just deal with it as sort of academic pleasure pool that we can get buzz out of things and just use our brain and not also engage our heart, that we, we have to engage them both. Either of them without the other is left vulnerable and that it, it's living with both of them. They're two wings which we need to be able to soar to God. And we've been given such wonderful witnesses with our popes, especially in recent times. And the beauty with which Pope Benedict speaks so intelligently from the heart um, mm -hmm. is another great example. And I think that what is drawing so many people to seek, despite the fact they think, oh, they shouldn't be paying any attention, is that it, it's very appealing because it's so beautiful. Outside of something about Mary, do you have a particular favorite podcast on the site? Uh, I am very, very grateful for the priests who have shared something about the gift of their priesthood and the story of their vocation. I think, too, the way some of them have spoken of a priest that have inspired them, which gives me a sense of the way our faith has been handed down to us. With each priest, there was a priest before them that had inspired them and a, a bishop that had ordained them, and that, that takes us all the way back to Christ. Mm -hmm. I, that fairly blows me away. And also, they aren't special or different in, in some ways in terms of where they were originally, but that God had chosen them for this special path, and that when they have responded to this call, which seems... For a lot of them, I think they're sort of, this can't be for me, this is for somebody else who's meant to be wonderful and holy and all these things. They're aware of their own unworthiness. But that's the greatness of God, that he, he just asks for our yes, and, and then he can work with, with any of us and all of us. So I'm very fond of that podcast. And I'm so conscious of the great gift that we have been given of the priesthood, and that it is through the priesthood that we receive the sacraments. Um, we couldn't receive the Eucharist without, without the priest. And we couldn't receive the sacrament of confession without a priest, for example. So, yeah, I'm very fond of that one. And who do you feel, who is the site aimed at? Who well, you know, the shocker is, I don't know who it's aimed at. And I'm not very good at thinking the abstract about anyone else. I just have to think, does this appeal to me? And does it get my heart singing? And would I like to listen to this? So I'm afraid my only real gauge is myself. I mean, I don't very often get feedback, and when I do, I try and listen to it. And if anyone wants to give feedback, it would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> See, Matt, I gave you feedback. <laughs> You're not Madam Feedback. You're Madam Make Me Feel Rejoicing in My Heart and, and Try Not to Be Puffed Up. You're my gift from Our Lady, Erin. <laughs> <Hey>. Yeah. 
You are. Okay, so you... Really you are, you, you, when I was, oh my goodness, how am I going to keep it going? You popping up when you did, you kept me going from 18 months to two years, that was it. And then two to year three, that's it. <laughs> You're nearly out, sir. Exactly. Yes, and you've just passed 1,000-something about Mary's. Yes. Which I think is a really big deal, and you should make a big deal out of it. Or I'll make one for you. So, <laughs> um, looking back over all the something about Mary's, I'd like you to say, if you can remember, who's the youngest person you've ever heard from? Mm. And maybe if you could talk about a general theme that's come out and what people have to say about Our Lady. The youngest? There was three children with a mother in Oxford when St. Teresa's relics were in Oxford. They were a very joyful family, and one of them was having his birthday the next day. So maybe he was about five. He might have said something, but it was a bit garbled. And there was another mother with a son of that sort of age as well. But there was an eight-year-old whose answer went up for Our Lady's birthday last year. And there's been a couple of seven-year-olds and ten-year-olds. And certainly being with children where they have... I think at that age, it's unlikely they will have had an opportunity of encountering their faith unless it's been via their family. But where they have, their faith can be incredibly real. And I'm not at all surprised that Our Lady generally appears to children. If I was her, so would I. <laughs> and Jesus' words about, you know, we've got to be like children in terms of our faith and living it and it being something very real and and natural for children who've been brought up in a loving environment of faith. It's very powerful as a witness to behold that. And then the theme throughout, it's definitely our Lady Mary being our mother. There have been people from all walks of life. There's been a couple of homeless people who've given a response. And then one of the oldest was an 84-year-old, 86-year-old brother of the Order of Camillus. Very gentle gentle, gentle, good soul. So being with a very elderly who've had a life of holiness and lived it in a very unassuming way but with great fidelity and a great service, that's also very humbling. There's something of the same childlikeness that comes across, well, that came across with him anyway. And then I, I think it's her unconditional love, the fact she's not judgmental, that you can go to her particularly when you're feeling vulnerable or sinful or in need or any of those things, that she's there particularly in our suffering and in our weakness and that she always, always leads us to her son and that you're safe as soon as you're with her. Um, I think that's what comes across most. I think that's a really beautiful way to end and just give thanks to Our Lady and hope that she'll help to keep those two is going. Thanks, Ruth. Thank you, darling. <laughs> Totus to us for the most tip-top, top, top chat.